0: God is for life. God created us in his own image. That means he thinks we're pretty special. And I really want you to look in the mirror and know that you're special. God thinks that about you. I know that sometimes you look in the mirror and you don't think you're very special, but when you look in the mirror, if you're looking through God's eyes, you'll see that you are. You're very special. Um, God thinks everyone is special, and I think that includes unborn babies as well. It's possible that in the last few months, you've not watched the news, not read the newspapers, not been on social media, not talked to anybody, been living in a bubble, and you have no idea of what's coming up in November. It's possible, I suppose, but highly doubtful. Michiganders are going to vote on a proposal. Proposal 3, they're going to vote yes or no. I told you I don't tell you how to vote. I encourage you... I plead with you, I exhort you to understand what you're voting for, always, with every election. Please understand what you're voting for. We were at a prayer breakfast yesterday, heard from um, uh, really a list of what is on the, the proposal. You need to understand what is on there. It's not simple, cut and dried, as the, um, one of the speakers said, the um, Uh, those that are for abortion are shooting for the moon with this proposal. There are so many things on there that affect minors, affect your taxes, affect the limitations that are put on what stage of pregnancy. There are a lot of things in this proposal. Please understand what you're voting for. But I want you to know that abortion, before it was a political issue, it was a moral issue, In fact, it still is a moral issue, and we need to see it that way. I thought, man, what if we asked a philosopher, some bunch of philosophers, this question. Where did morals begin? How long would it take them to discuss that topic? They would still be discussing it. But we have an answer to that. Morals begin, began with God, our Creator. That's where morals began. And when we look into his word we see that in fact Romans 2:15 tells us that the law is written on our hearts and our conscience bears witness. Right and wrong is written on our hearts and our conscience bears witness and the word of God reveals right and wrong through God's eyes. If you lie to your friend if you say friend They ask you a question, how do I look? And you say, oh, you look good. That outfit fits you nicely. You look very nice. And you are lying through your teeth. You are going to feel bad, are you not? Your conscience will bear witness that you have lied. You have broken one of the Ten Commandments. And you've told a lie. you, You have morals. God has written them on your hearts. God invented those morals. And when we look through His eyes, we have a biblical worldview we see that this issue of abortion is definitely a moral issue, but it gets emotional when it's personal. Doesn't it? It gets very emotional when it's personal. If you know someone, or it's, it's affected you, this is a personal thing. And it's very possible that You came to church this morning wanting to worship God, wanting to praise God, singing out like Bobby was singing out. I mean, some of you know, uh, some of you love the Lord and and, and you came and then as soon as you found out that he was going to talk about abortion, you may have started to do this. Your blood pressure may have gone up. I don't know where you're at on this. But I want to just, I hope, more than anything, I hope that you will understand that this is important. It's important for all of us not to think the same, per se, as, as we know we all think differently, but more than anything, to see this through God's eyes. That's my goal, and, and, and I want you to see this through God's eyes. Pastors often shy away from this topic because we're afraid that we're going to scare people away. And maybe somebody already, we, we stream on Facebook, so um, we're Facebook Live, and maybe somebody was on there and they heard abortion and they just went, ooh, ooh, ooh. Get, 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 I, don't, I can't listen to it, I can't listen to it. But I want to tell you something that I don't want to scare you away from his church because God's church is amazing. Amen. I mean that God had a plan, has a plan to redeem the world through his son Jesus Christ, and that involves the church. Amen. It involves all of us. The church is where we learn how to how to thrive in our relationships, in our marriages, and our friendships. We we need each other. I know it's almost like a necessary evil sometimes when people are mean in church, because <laughs> people are mean in church sometimes, because of the flesh. We have to constantly, daily crucify our flesh to not be mean to one another. Um, But I am not going to worry about offending you because, frankly, the Bible is offensive. Last week I preached the message, God's greatest promise. If you heard last week, God's greatest promise is this, that you are saved by faith alone through grace alone. Or vice versa, grace alone through faith alone. You're saved by grace. It's a free gift. You can't earn it. And for somebody who thinks that they can be good enough to get into heaven, that they can do good things and that will earn them salvation, the Bible is offensive. God's Word, what I said last week, is terribly offensive. I feel like there's an echo if you could try to figure that out so I can talk a little bit louder. Thank you. So the Bible is offensive. It... It discerns, God's Word discerns our heart. I think that's really, really important that we understand that because when we read God's Word, when we read the Bible, it discerns our heart. Like in other words, it gets down into our our business and it brings to light our thinking and our reasoning and our belief system. And that's why Romans 12.2 is so important. We renew our mind with God's Word and God transforms us. He changes us. And that's what we want. We want to become more like Christ. But that only happens through this process that is often uncomfortable. I'm going to ask you to do something. I understand. You may not be able to do it right now. I don't know where you're at in terms of, of... Your ability to focus right now, and maybe there's some things going on, you're just a little bit distracted, or or I don't know. But I'm just going to ask you to try to do something right now. If you can't do it right now, then you can maybe do it later. But here's what I'd like you to do. I'd like you to try to think back to before you made a decision on your stance on abortion. Go back to before you decided. What caused your decision? I think this is the challenge for us as Christians on, on all moral issues. Are you taking your stance based on how you feel or based on how God feels? See, that's the, that's the hard part because we get emotional. We get, it gets personal. You're looking at this situation, this issue, through your eyes because of something that happened in your past or through someone else's eyes, someone you care about, and it happened to them. And it's emotional. I listen to people's stories all the time. It's the perks of being a pastor. People want to tell you their story. So I listen to stories a lot, and and I'm listening with, with empathy. I'm listening to hear, not to defend my stance, which is a lot of our problems, Christians. You're, always, you're never listening to hear what they're saying. You're just listening so you can take your turn and defend what you believe. Try listening with empathy and hear them. Hear what the struggle is, the pain, the agony, the struggle, what, what, whatever is going on. I listen, and then I understand. I understand. I, I get why many want to have an abortion. They don't want to deal with the problems that might occur in the future. I understand that. More than likely, if you can remember what caused you to decide, one way or another, it was probably something personal. Probably because you looked through God's eyes, or your eyes, you made a decision. Whose eyes were you looking for? And this morning, take a deep breath, and take a look through God's eyes with me. I'm just going to show you some verses in God's Word, and I'm going to help you just look through His eyes, because I think God is for life. And I want you to see what God thinks about children. About unborn babies. I want you to see the truth of his word. These are truths, I believe. Truth number... Well, actually, before I get to the truth. I don't know that I would have even thought about mentioning what i'm about to say in the past but i think i've grown and understand a little bit more we get so excited about preaching pastor sometimes that we forget how it affects all people more than likely they say statistically that some of you in this room have already had an abortion or have been a part of one. And so I'm going to say something to all of us, but especially to you. Three important things. I'm going to say it twice, now and at the end. Number one, this church will not condemn you. We love you like Jesus does. And we want to help you receive forgiveness from God, just like any sin that we do. You receive forgiveness from God. And more importantly than that, you forgive yourself. So that's number one. Number two, this church will counsel you or get you to a Christian counselor so that you can be healed. We don't want the evil one to use us against you. We don't want you to live in shame. I have sat down at my kitchen table with a woman who had an abortion and for years lived with guilt and shame. And I counseled with her so that God could heal her. And this church is prepared to do that for anyone that would like that. Thirdly, this church will walk with any mom or dad through the process of having your baby. Embrace Grace Ministries has been in effect for a long time. We've been doing that. We we just cut the ribbon on a baby pantry for those expecting that need help, that can't afford diapers or clothes or formula. It's there. By appointment, it's free. I will bring those up again, in case you forgot. God is for life. Five truths about children. Genesis 1, verses 27 and 28. If you have your Bible with you, there's a Bible in... Surely in a chair in front of you, maybe. Genesis 1, verses 27-28. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Psalm 127, verse 3 says, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb, a reward. First truth, children are a blessing from the Lord. Amen? Amen. I used to watch this show a while back. Uh, it's not on anymore. 19 Kids in County. Story about the Duggar family, and they had 19 kids. Yes, one mom, 19 kids. And her kids, I swear, I think, are trying to outdo her. <laughs> There's a battle. If the Duggars decided to come to Life of Purpose, we'd have to hire two children's pastors and build an addition, okay? (laughs) This is a big family that believes children are a blessing from the Lord. And um, they they have a lot of, of kids. Children are a blessing from the Lord even if they come in a way that you may not want. I know a woman who was raped as a young woman and she had the baby he is now a freshman in high school and he is a blessing to her he is a reward to her children are a blessing from the Lord even if they come in a way that we may not want Psalm 139 verses 13 and 14 For you formed my inward parts, you knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, my my soul knows it very well. This is the second truth, that children are alive in the womb. Children are alive in the womb. Uh, Before ultrasound, this verse was extremely important. Now that we have ultrasound, we already know, we know that children are alive in the womb. And we don't have to debate that. I'm so happy when science confirms God's word and catches up to it. I heard about a man who went into medical school to be a doctor. He was an atheist. He came out of medical school a Christian because of the miracle of birth. It's amazing what God can do in a person's life. There was a father taking a walk with his pregnant wife. Their first child, going for a walk down the sidewalk. Neighbor sees visibly she's pregnant. wasn't a beach ball. (laughs) And says to the dad, are you excited to become a dad? And his response was beautiful. He said, I am a dad. Children are alive in the womb. Ecclesiastes 11, verse 5. As you do not know the way the Spirit comes to the bones in the womb of a woman with child, so you do not know the work of God who makes everything. Solomon, the the, the wise man, writes this in Ecclesiastes, basically pointing out that we really can't grasp this important truth, how the spirit comes into a child in the womb. But God gets it. God understands that an unborn baby has a spirit. And the third truth is this. Children have a spirit to worship God while in the womb. Luke 1, verse 41. When Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby, John the baptizer, leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. John was filled with the Holy Spirit in the womb as a baby. He worshipped God while in his mother's womb. Isn't that amazing what unborn babies can do? They can worship God while in the womb. God gave us ten commandments, gave us the law. It's in the Old Testament. We see there's over 600 commandments. Um, When he gave it to God's people, his people, the, the Israelites, he expected them to follow it. There were consequences when they didn't. And one of the consequences applies to this Message. It's in Exodus 21. In Exodus 21, two verses, 22 and 23. There was all kinds, of, you read the Old Testament, read in Exodus, you see Leviticus, all the laws. You'll see there, there's some, some interesting ones in there, let's say it that. But here's one, check this out, verse 22. When men strive together, that means they fight. And they hit a pregnant woman, an innocent bystander, she's there... She gets hit, and her child, she has a miscarriage, her child comes out. If there's no harm, the one who hit her shall surely be fine. But if the woman's, uh, the woman's husband shall impose it on him, but, um, and they'll pay as the judges uh, determine, but if there is harm, ye shall pay life for life. Fourth truth. Children have full rights in the womb. Children have rights in the womb. Full rights in the womb. If caused cause the baby to die in the womb, life for life. And we should do all we can to protect the rights of unborn babies. Turn with me to Jeremiah 1, verse 5. Jeremiah was not a bullfrog. He was a prophet. (laughs) Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Jeremiah recognized his calling came in the womb. Children have a calling from God that begins in the womb. And we should do all we can to help unborn babies fulfill, live out their calling. Jesus was unborn once. What an amazing life he lived. Every unborn baby deserves the opportunity to live the life that God has called them to. Five truths about children. God is for life. He loves life. And if you're able to see through God's eyes, you will see this truth. You'll see how much He loves children, how much He loves unborn babies. And again, I tell you, this church will not condemn you. We'll love you like Jesus, and we want you to find forgiveness. We'll counsel you, we'll help you get a Christian counselor so that you can have healing and not live in guilt or shame and will walk with you to help you with your baby.